Friends, I am Tani Tanuviel, the resident KUCI Middle Earth Elf, wishing you greetings on this fair Tuesday afternoon. And it is indeed beautiful here in the phallus in the southwest corner of America, Orange County to be exact, on the campus, where we broadcast from the campus of UC Irvine. So greetings, you are listening to KUCI in Irvine, 88.9 FM, Orange County's alternative radio station, and quite possibly the best radio station in the history of Middle Earth. This is What Would Arwen Do? I'm here every Tuesday, 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific Time, asking the question, if a modern elf lived today in Southern California, what would her life look like? How would she celebrate and support the arts, music, her community, and the preservation of Earth, its beauty, resources, and creatures? I like to ask, what would an elf do? What would Arwen do? (laughs) When things like how to respond to life come up, which for us elves happens quite a bit, you can contact me at askanelf at yahoo.com, and I would love to hear from you. Thank you to everyone who may be listening here in the immediate area, our 200-watt radius of Orange County, California. And to those who may be listening online, we do stream live 24 hours a day, seven days a week through our website at KUCI.org. And you can also catch us through iTunes. And you can catch many of our podcasts, uh, the podcasts of our public affairs and talk shows uh, from, K- from KUCI through iTunes and on our homepage. So I don't know if you might be tuning in for the first time. Um, some of the past shows have a rather lengthy <laughs> introduction, which I'm going to skip today because I'm very excited to have and interview coming up in a little over 10 minutes with a wildly creative man, the artistic director and producer and star of the very acclaimed stage production, The Screwtape Letters, based on a book adapted from a book by C.S. Lewis, one of the great friends of J.R.R. Tolkien about conversations from an elder demon to a younger apprentice demon on how to keep humans out of the hands of the enemy, which would be God, 
<laughs> and keep them bound for hell. So um, I got to see this play last July here at the Irvine Barclay Theater, right on the campus of UC Irvine, and it's coming up again. Unfortunately, not right here on our campus, but uh, not that far a drive from here, right up in Glendale, a one-day special engagement coming up this coming Saturday at the um, Alex Theater on Brand Boulevard. So that's this coming Saturday, April 13th, two performances, 4 and 8 p.m. And as I mentioned, uh, Max will be on for an interview starting in about 10 minutes. If you'd like to check out their website in the meantime, you can visit screwtapeonstage.com. So uh, welcome. The music you heard at the beginning of the show was from Academy Award winning Howard Shore. Music from The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. And I'm trying not to have too somber a mood today because it is such a beautiful day. And in the month of April, one of the elves' favorite months, the elves' favorite months, my favorite months, because it's just getting us into spring and amazingly all the beautiful flowers everywhere that are blooming you walk places around here in orange county and even just into our own patio at home and it's intoxicating the uh, perfume of the jasmine that is just everywhere and other beautiful flowers so but it's a little bit of a sad time and i wanted to dedicate a small portion of the show today to someone special and to ask you my listeners for your prayers and kind thoughts and sweet healing energy to be directed uh, to and for the families of um, well it's if you actually listen to the news or go on the news you can keep adding to it as the day goes on and it uh, sometimes these things affect me so deeply and this is as it should be because as human beings we are all connected i believe that everything that affects each of us affects all of us in our collective consciousness and our connectedness to each other but this past week um the son of uh, rick warren a minister and pastor of a church that does many wonderful things saddleback church here in southern california uh, took his, Rick Warren's son Matthew took his own life, uh, had wrestled many years, most of his life with depression and trying. The family had tried to find the right, you know, doctors and therapies and all types of things over the years. But um, Matthew um, took his life on Friday, and so I would ask for your prayers for the family because although Matthew's pain is now, human pain is now gone, and we believe he is with our Lord, um, the pain of the family is maybe only starting, although I would imagine it's been difficult all of these years struggling with that. And I can relate to the pain of depression. Um, I'll probably be doing a show, not a 
you know, just around this topic because it does affect many of us. I was, I was at the bookstore, a bookstore on Sunday, and one of the uh, women there who I dearly love, uh, I mentioned if she had heard about it, um, and she said, yes, it was very sad. And she said, well, you know, my stepson, um, the same thing happened, and he took, he, he was a police officer, and he had taken his life um, for almost like 20-something years in the police force and was studying to help people with post-traumatic stress disorder, and he took his own life, and it was just about a month ago left a wife and four children. And then this morning, just going on the uh, internet notice and seeing that article about the stabbings in this um, uh, Lone Star Community College in Texas, where I didn't catch the details of it, but a student was um, stabbing fellow students, 14 students injured. I don't believe anybody was killed, but several were taken to the emergency room. And so there is violence all around us. And so I'm going to play a short song, but first um, I would just again ask you all for your prayers. And for anyone that you know, I, I know several people who know people who have had family or deep friends either um, have lost their lives, some of them in tragic accidents, but also for people who have taken their own lives because the pain of continuing on in this existence just became too great. So I wanted to read a poem, one of my favorite, favorite poems uh, by John Donne, having to do with death, and then a little passage from the Word of God that hopefully will encourage our hearts. And if you could think of it and send a prayer up for the families of all people at this point who struggle with these things and with family members <clears throat> who are gone or who may be gone. So here is John Donne's poem from the Holy Sonnets. <clears throat> Death be not proud, though some have called thee mighty and dreadful, for thou art not so. For those whom thou thinkest thou dost overthrow, die not, poor death, nor yet canst thou kill me. From rest and sleep, which but thy pictures be, much pleasure, then from thee much more must flow. And soonest our best men with thee do go, rest of their bones and souls' delivery. Thou art slave to fate, chance, kings, and desperate men, and dust with poise in war and sickness dwell. And poppy or charms can make us sleep as well, and better than thy stroke. Why swellest thou then? One short sleep past, we wake eternally, and death shall be no more. Death thou shalt die. From the Holy Sonnets of John Donne. And then I'd like to read a passage from Acts, from the Bible, in 17, chapter 17, beginning with verse 24. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples made by hands. 
and he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything, because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he determined the time set for them and the exact places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. So, yes, uh, we're going to be having our interview coming up in just a few minutes, and I'm very excited. Max McLean, who has brought the Screwtape Letters to the stage, and if you'd like to hear an interview that I did with him last summer, it is up on our KUCI website. If you go to our homepage, go to archives, go to podcasts, and scroll down, you'll see an interview with Max McLean from last summer. And uh, he's going to be calling just about any minute. And I totally loved it. Really powerful. Amazing. I just couldn't believe how good it was. I was completely blown away. It's exhilarating. It was provocative. Exciting from the beginning to the end. I felt like it was only 20 minutes. I was amazed how much energy two cast members could put into it. The feelings inside that main character seem to be coming out all on the stage. An ever-increasing craving for never-diminishing pleasure is the formula. It's more certain, it's better style to get the man's soul and give him nothing in return. So, Mr. McLean, he was wonderful. This is oh, one of the most well-done Broadway plays I've seen. It was very cool. Time was spent. He doesn't even like theater, and he went. Yes, they do regard death as the primeval, and survival as the greatest good, because we have taught them to do so. Do not be infected by our own propaganda. <laughs> Everyone should see and everyone should laugh and feel something from it and at the same time talk about it later. All the buzz about Screwtape Letters is true. And that was an enchanting little clip from YouTube where you can find some other clips, uh, little teasers from the stage production of the Screwtape Letters. And most of the best of those are under FPA videos, which is the, uh, I believe, the are brought to us from the Fellowship for the Performing Arts, the production company of that Max is part of, in that's based in New York City. And as I promised earlier, I'm so excited that Max McLean, the artistic director and producer and star of the Screw Tape Letters is here with us today so i am going to just get right into it max are you there i am how are you <laughs> i'm great are you in new york or are you out here right now no i'm uh, i'm actually uh right now in uh long beach i have a show tomorrow in modesto at the gallo performing arts center in modesto oh really and, uh, and then uh, i will be at uh, the alex theater in glendale for two shows on saturday Oh, my goodness. So um, we have people that listen in through the Internet, so there might be some people listening from the Modesto area. Is that also, are you doing the screw tape letters there? Doing the screw tape letters, yes. It's uh, it's 7.30 tomorrow night at uh, 
Gallo Performing Arts Center in uh-huh. Modesto. Oh my goodness! And are there tickets still available? I I, I don't know. I they uh, I don't know actually. Okay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> can... I think there if there are there there aren't many. Yes, and so that's the Gallo. It's is it G A L L O? Like the wine. Okay. They, yeah. It's like the wine. In fact, <laughs> I think it's the same people. Oh, oh, you know that that might make sense. Great. Well, in case you're out in the Modesto area or you know someone out in the Modesto area, you might want to. In fact, I know people out in the Modesto area. It's kind of funny. I'm going to uh, call them tonight. It's actually the granddaughter of the woman I live with. They live out in Modesto. I didn't know. Good. good. Yeah. And of course, uh, ScrewTapeOnStage.com would have all the information. Okay, great. Well, uh, tell us a little bit, for those who may not be familiar, would you tell us a little bit about you know, what it is you're doing, bringing this amazing book to the stage, and also a little bit about the uh, Fellowship for the Performing Arts. Sure, sure. Well, that's exactly what we're doing. We're bringing this amazing book to the stage. Uh, it's, a, it's a faithful adaptation of uh, Lewis's classic novel about spiritual warfare from a demon's point of view. Uh, it ran in New York for nine months in 2010, and it's been on tours uh, right since then, since the beginning of 2011. And uh, I believe uh, the last time we were in L.A. area was at uh, UCI at, uh, uh, I can't remember the, the name of the theater. Irvine Barclay Theater. The last, Barclay, yes, uh, right, last the July. Barclay Theater at, at UC Irvine. Uh, we were there last summer, and uh, this is our first time back, and we'll be at the Alex Theater in uh, Glendale, uh, this Saturday for a four o'clock show and an eight o'clock show, uh, yeah. And fellowship for the performing arts, the producing organization. Uh, the mission is to produce theater uh, from a Christian worldview that uh, engages the imagination of a diverse audience. And we can't do much more than Lewis's material. <laughs> Uh, f- uh, to accomplish that objective. Yes, absolutely. Well, I was very blessed to uh, be able to attend the uh, one of the performances when you were here at the Barclay Theater, and it was amazing. It was, Thank I mean, you. I couldn't even imagine that two people could fill up a stage with so much talent and energy. Um it was just, and even just the buzz in the audience afterwards, and it's wonderful because don't you also, I don't know if you'll be able to be doing this in Glendale, but you generally have a little time after the shows that you come out and talk to the audience. Is that right? I do, and I, I love doing that. Uh, you know, what, what Lewis is so good at is uh, he, he engages the imagination, and, and in Lewis's language, he says the imagination is the organ of meaning, and reason is the natural order of truth. And what he meant by that is if you're going to assent to the truth of anything, it first has to be meaningful. It has to capture the imagination. And after that, then you say, what does it mean? What's it about? And so we spend, uh, in, we, we have our show, uh, and people are enthralled with the vision that uh, Lewis paints so magnificently with his words. Uh, they're really, they're uh, deeply engaged, and then they want to talk about it. So uh, what we try to do as often as possible is have a post-show discussion, and, and people really appreciate that. Yes, yes. Well, you know, it's very interesting to me about, um, because one of my favorite quotes of C.S. Lewis is from, actually from his um, screw tape letters, mm-hmm. that 
he says, uh, oh, here's the introduction. When he talks about uh, people and um, he says, yeah, I have no intention of explaining how the correspondence, which I now offer to the public, fell into my hands. He says, there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other is to believe and to feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. <laughs> and I love that because it seems like a lot of times um, people do kind of fall into two camps. You know, I've been in charismatic churches where it's like, oh, there was something going on. There was a demon under every rock that was creating everything and very little, you know, um, accountability in the sense of just our own personal choices and, and sin nature. But then, then there's the other thing where people say, oh, you know, that doesn't really exist. Do you really believe that that, you know, that there's a devil out there? Uh-huh. And, um, and I would, when I first became a Christian, which oh, this guy's about 30 something years ago now, um, I wasn't really sure what I believed about it. And someone actually as a very young Christian, I was a very young Christian, said, well, you should think about reading C.S. Lewis's The Screwtape Letters. <laughs> and then you became totally convinced because it has such a, I mean, the New York Times in their review of Screwtape Letters uh, uh, said that uh, uh, rarely has the devil been uh, so uh perceived so perceptively and eruditely in the screw tape letters, uh, you know, you really get a, a clear picture. And of course, many uh, people accused Lewis himself of having, as you described, an overdeveloped uh, 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 interest in devils, uh, because he wrote quite a bit about them. And that's because he really believed them. Well, and uh, he saw the influence of it in his own life. You know, why does he do the things he doesn't want to do and not do the things he wants to do? Right. Um, I think one of the best uh, quotes uh, for me in understanding uh, Lewis's objective in writing the Screwtape Letters is uh, something he said in Mere Christianity. When, uh, he says, you know, every time we make a choice, uh, that central part of us, the part that chooses, changes just a little bit. So Mm -hmm. in the course of a lifetime with the innumerable choices that we make, that central part of us, that part that chooses, is slowly becoming a heavenly creature or a a hellish creature, uh, depending on the choices that you make. And I, I think that that's really at the core of what Lewis wants to Yes. Well, it is interesting because the Screwtape Letters is a fictional, uh, you know, account. It's considered a novel of uh, correspondence between a senior demon and a younger demon. And this morning, as I was, you know, thinking about the show and doing a little research and and such, and I was thinking, I think there's something that C.S. Lewis, you know, had written more about in his general nonfiction work, and and there is in in Mere Christianity. Uh, the chapter on the invasion and the shocking alternative. It's it is interesting because he he comments that he's been asked at times, you know, if he really believes in you know in devils, and he says, well, I believe in angels, <laughs> and uh, you know, some some were good and, and there were obvious and there were some that weren't. Uh, uh, he says, I don't know that I believe in the hoof and horns thing, but um, so you know, and 
we see, you know, we do see it in the Bible, you know, and it's one of those things I believe that for Christians, for all of us, we some point we kind of have to reckon with. It's like, well, is it just, do I just want to pretend that it's a fairy tale and say, oh, that, you know, that part isn't, isn't really real? Or do I want to be aware of, you know, um, C.S. Lewis talks about how we're kind of born into a war zone. <laughs> yeah, we're enemy-occupied territory. And I, I think where what confuses uh, most modern people is uh, you get ha- you get hung up on on these anthropomorphic descriptions that are only meant to help us to understand uh, because you know our brain has to latch on to something and when you're dealing in the spiritual realm when it's immaterial what do you how do you uh, how do you how do you visualize it mm-hmm. so that you can best understand it? And of course, in, in medieval times, they had uh, these particular pictures, and, and quite frankly, those pictures were drawn as a way of uh, of embarrassing uh, and uh, shaming the devil because he doesn't like to be mocked, mm-hmm. and so they want to make him look funny and uh, as a way of warding him away right. uh, because he's so proud. And uh, and how do you uh, you know how do you uh, give a proud person his comeuppance. Uh, uh, you know, and of course, you know, comedy is built on that. Yes. Is bringing, bringing a proud person down, and tragedy is also, you know, uh, in, an, in another way, does the same thing. Uh, but the reality of evil, uh, real evil, can't be explained by natural causes. I mean, some of it can. Uh, and certainly human decision, human choices uh, is at the core of it, but are human choices arbitrary? You know, do mm-hmm. they do they have a uh, a source? Is there is there an influence uh, that is uh, more uh, stronger than us? You know, and that's of course a very biblical understanding, a Pauline understanding that we must not be ignorant of his devices. Right. Uh, so you know, he masquerades as an angel of light. I love that um, that word masquerade. It's a theater term. Yes. Uh, so, uh, and, and what uh, Lewis Lewis wants to uh, unveil, unmask uh, how the devil works. So, in the book, I believe that C.S. Lewis uh, shared um, in in writing somewhere how this was a very difficult book for him to write. Um, how was it adapting this? I mean, and also there's as with any book, there's a lot of material. How how did you go about adapting this, and was it difficult? Did you feel kind of like you were in a little bit of spiritual warfare? Are you talking dramaturgically or emotionally? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, both. Well, let me start dramaturgically. Uh, uh, Most people, when they read the book, uh, or they think of it as kind of a uh, of a reverse devotional, you know, that, mm-hmm. but, but actually there's a story within it, and it's essentially a hunt story. Screwtape is a predator, mm-hmm. and uh, the prey is a patient, the patient which is an everyman on earth, uh, and, and Screwtape's accomplice is worm, Wormwood. And so the objective is whether or not the, pre- the predator is going to get his prey. And and so uh, dramaturgically, we we follow two story arcs. What happens to the patient in the in the book, who's an everyman on earth, uh, 
who goes from being indifferent to spiritual things to, by the end of the play, becoming quite devout, and this in spite of all the efforts of Screwtape to ruin him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that, of course, is because of the presence of Screwtape's enemy, God. And, but then the second arc, the second story arc, is what happens to Screwtape, and so obviously the more dramatic story arc, who begins the play as this master of the universe character, who loves the way he looks, loves the way he talks, loves the way he dresses, smartest guy in the room, he's pure pride, and then by the end of the play, he's a defeated devil, you know, mm-hmm. and and, uh, and that's what's entertaining. Uh, he gets his comeuppance. Mm-hmm. So that, so basically, uh, dramaturgically, uh, we followed very closely all the material in the book, and about 98% of the words that are used are directly from the book. Mm. Uh, we followed whatever parts of the book that really follow closely that storyline. Uh, we stayed with it. And if it diverted into some violence, because obviously to read the book uh, from cover to cover is, a, is probably takes about six hours, and our play is a little bit, you know, 90 minutes. So mm-hmm. obviously it makes some selection. And that was the selecting uh, criteria. Mm-hmm. Uh, emotionally uh, or spiritually, I actually have found the experience of being a screw tape uh, really uh, uh, good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, first of all, it's a satire, mm-hmm. so there is this element of uh, kind of a wink and a nod in it that you know it is a very funny piece, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and then, but also there's this real sense of Lewis's purpose really comes through at the expense of Screwtape. I mean, Screwtape is pretty humorless as a mm-hmm. as an individual, uh, super serious. But that's what makes him so funny. I mean, mm-hmm. because he really is taking everything very, very seriously. Right. And uh, and we kind of laugh at him. Uh, you know, do mock him. And uh, I, I do find that uh, that is very rewarding. And then, of course what you learn about yourself, you know, it's you, you are exposed. Now, some of the things you're exposed about aren't fun, you know, to be exposed mm-hmm. about. And that's, I'm sure that's what Lewis was referring to, mm-hmm. you know, is that this, the stuff in his own heart, uh, it was, uh, and of course, being a writer, you know, you're creating it, whereas in, in the theater, you're interpreting it, which is completely different. I don't think you have to dig as deep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I, uh, but that, I think that's the distinction. Well, you know, it's amazing to me to think of you actually doing, I don't know if you ever do more than two performances a day, but even doing two performances because it is such a powerful energy presence. You're, you know, you and um, your little um, demon Toad assistant pipe. there. Yes, Toad Pipe. Um, how do you how do you do that twice? I mean, by the end of the play, I mean there is this story arc and then there's this character arc, and you know it's like the the energy in the in the uh, room is almost palpable <laughs> by the yes, end of the play. It, well, it's a, it is you know I mean the, there is an athletic uh, quality to it, uh, both vocally and physically, mm-hmm. uh, that you do have to. Uh, sort of prep for you know mm-hmm. it's almost like running a marathon mm. uh you do have to uh, prep for it but of course that's part of the entertainment value too you know uh so i, I appreciate what you're saying but that's kind of part of the job <laughs> <laughs> yes and i i forget that those of you who are so good at doing this professionally that that, that is what you do you know it's um just 
like some of us work at, at our job and we do what we do for eight hours. Well, you you do what you do for several hours and then you do it again for several hours. And um, but yeah, you're a professional. So right, but, it, but you know when when you go watch Kobe, you know <laughs> you want him to make his jump shots. So uh, it's uh, it's similar here. And but it's uh, it really is a joy. If it wasn't fun, mm-hmm. if it wasn't joyful. Uh, you know, what you describe would be like, wow, you know, mm-hmm. what, you know, that's too much work, but it's, it's really the opposite. It's a, it's great fun to do. And you've been doing this, uh, this particular production now for it, more than five years. Um, well, that's true. And, and then, uh, but you know, I'm also, we have two teams now that are out on the road. Uh, you know, the, while I was, uh, I'm doing the show here, my colleague, Brett Harris, uh, who is really tearing it up as screw tape, uh, was doing it at a production, two shows at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, and uh, they just loved him there. And, and uh, uh, I'm actually handing the reins over to him. Uh, so he's doing, I, I am doing the Glendale show and the Modesto show, but I probably won't be doing any other shows this year except maybe one or two more that I, I contracted to do uh, because we're working on uh, C.S. Lewis's The Great Divorce. I'm working on, a, on a, uh, uh, another play on uh, uh, Lewis that's kind of reflective Lewis is really fascinating and quite controversial spiritual journey mm-hmm. uh, and to find a theatrical arc for that, which I'm uh, very, very excited about. Is that uh, the Pilgrim's well Regress? The feast on, on, uh, on Martin Luther. So we've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline that we want to move forward. Mm-hmm. Well, the la- I'm so glad that you did mention the Great Divorce because the last time we spoke last year, you uh, were you were working on it then, <clears throat> and I think you had some uh, working copy. Have you been performing that anywhere yet? Or well, we did. I'm not. No, I'm not in it. I'm producing it. Uh, but we just had a lab production of it. That's a. It's a kind of a technical term of the theater. Uh, uh, in New York City, with a three-week lab production to see how the script works on stage, uh, you know, because at some point you're just simply writing it, and then uh, you want to hire some actors and 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 do a lab. And we did that uh, for three weeks in March, mm. and as a result of that, we're going to do another sort of technical term called a development a developmental production uh, of it in uh, in New York this summer. Mm. And, and then as a result of the developmental production, we can make a good determination to see if it's ready for touring. Mm. I am so, I hope you will bring that to Southern California. Oh, we will. Or... <laughs> we will absolutely do that. Maybe one of our first stops once uh. we feel like it's where it used to be. I mean, we didn't bring scoot tape here until we knew it was ready. Mm-hmm. So we would do the same with uh, uh, The Great Divorce. Yes, that is just such an amazing, amazing um, story that it uh, I it's to me it's one of the great it's almost like inspired it, just to read that is uh, and I am so excited to th- see what you are going to do with it um, having experienced what um, you've done so well with the screw tape letters I think uh, you mentioned also and just for our listeners in case you're just uh, tuning in this is uh, what would Arwen do on KCI in Irvine? My very special guest today is Mac McLean, the uh, artistic director and producer and star of the Screw Tape Letters, which is playing in limited engagement, very limited engagement, this coming Saturday at in here in Glendale um, at the Allen. 
Theater? Alex. Alex Theater. And I have all of the, um, oh, I have the phone number here in case you want to call 818-243-2539. Tickets are also available through the box office, which is open daily from 12 to 5. And more information you can get from the website, screwtapeonstage.com. And uh, so, Max, I wanted to ask you, too, because I'm very excited about The Great Divorce, but um, I think I, did you mention something about, do you, You've adapted some of the work of uh, G.K. Chesterton. Well, we did. Uh, we did a, a staged reading in New York of one of his uh, really fascinating plays called Magic, mm. uh, and uh, it was uh, uh, really very, uh, very interesting uh, experiment. I think parts of the play is is riveting, and other parts of it a little bit dated. And we we did a reading of it uh, to determine. Uh, if it had quote unquote legs to uh, go into pr- production, we're still not sure yet. Even though I mean Chesterton was an extraordinary uh, genius, and in fact probably uh, the most influential writer uh, in Lewis's life, mm-hmm. with the possible exception of Macdonald. Right. Right. Yes, I uh, G.K. Chesterton's book Orthodoxy is one of my favorites, and I was just looking today through it, and uh, one of my favorite essays of his is The Ethics of Elfland, and oh. I thought, oh, I wish I could just hear Max read this chapter and bring it to life. You know, you're, uh, I have, uh, I don't recall, I think I may have read it several years back, but mm. your comment has actually encouraged me to take another look at it. Yes. So yes. Uh, because that's I'm always looking for new material, and particularly from the uh, that era, there was something about their understanding of of the moral imagination mm-hmm. uh, uh, that is so exciting. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so wonder filled. That I, I, you know, and, and of course, uh, you know, the great, uh, so many of the great writers of the 20th century just came from that little group of people mm-hmm. that, you know, happened to be uh, in the UK. Uh, what an extraordinary group of people. Yes, William Morris and J.R. Tolkien, just yeah, C.S. Lewis. Auden, Sayers, yes. Eliot. Uh, and they were all converts to Christianity as a result of it. Yes. Because there, there was a sense of meaning, a sense of joy, not in the, you know, we, we kind of miss that word, but joy in the sense of, of the supernatural uh, poking through the material world. Mm-hmm. It, Absolutely. It, it, that, that the sense of effervescence was overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And, and, but it never lasted. You know, it was like you got a glimpse of it, and then it would go away. But that was all they needed. (laughs) Yes, I I hope you will uh, pick up uh, Chesterton's book. Um, I feel like uh, many aspects, well, he covers several things in The Ethics of Elfland. Uh, It captured my attention of... uh, apparently by the title, but it it almost is a little bit of a um, defense of fairy tales for adults 
along the same lines of J.R.R. Tolkien's Andrew Lang lecture uh, on fairy stories, which is uh, all a defense of uh, fairy uh, fantasy for adults, that it's really for adults. And um, it's funny because one of the things that he says here about... Um, he says, it's a dreadful thing to say that Mr. W.B. Yeats does not understand fairyland, but I do say it. He is an ironical Irishman full of intellectual reactions. He is not stupid enough to understand fairyland. Fairies prefer people of the yokel type like myself, people who gape and grin as they and do as they are told. And uh, he just, his work is so profound, and yet he always has this light, childlike sense of humor as well, you know. And um, that's what I love about uh, they don't take themselves so seriously. They take their work seriously, but not themselves seriously. Right. Well, maybe you could do an audio book of orthodoxy. I, you know, I think that would be wonderful if you would do. Have you ever done any audio books? I, I, I know you've done the I know you've done uh, the Bible. I, I did that for many, many years. And, and in, in fact, uh, I've recorded, I've narrated the Bible five different times. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, uh, it's interesting that uh, uh, in some uh, uh, places in, uh, they use my uh, uh, translation to teach English. Oh, oh, that's uh, wonderful! Or, you know, in in Asian countries. Mm-hmm. So if you see Asians that have a deep resonant voice and learning English and articulating <laughs> precisely, it might have learned it from me. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, you might want to think about perhaps doing um, an audiobook of G.K. Chesterton's Orthodoxy. I don't know that there are any audiobooks of this, and that would be absolutely delightful. G.K. Chesterton with Max McLean's voice, it doesn't get much better than that. Thank you. <laughs> Well, again, um, so please, uh, would you just let our listeners know again where you're going to be this coming weekend, because we're almost to the end of our time yeah, right here sure. in Southern California. Uh, again, I will be at the Alex Theater mm-hmm. in Glendale, California, uh, near Pasadena, uh, at the Alex Theater, uh, 4 o'clock show, 8 o'clock show on Saturday, and more information at ScrewTapeOnStage.com. And just uh, in case you are listening, uh, I hope you caught that Max mentioned that um, he won't be, this might be your, his last performance. So this might be the last time that you're performing this this year, that people, yes. anyone would be able to catch you. That's true. Yeah. That's true. But uh, if you get a chance to see Brent Harris, Brent Harris was Scar in the National Tour of the Lion King uh, mm. just before he took the role of screw tape. Oh wow! Is he? Um, are they? Is he planning to come to Southern California anytime? Um, I don't know. Uh, this year, uh, I I think he'll be in Sacramento in May mm. and at Walnut Creek in June. And all of this, those are, but those are Northern California. Yeah, but uh, all your whole calendar of uh, events it's all and on performances on, on stage dot com. That's tape right. On stage and um, also. It, Anything, as soon as the, we know anything about the great divorce, that will be up there as well? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it, uh, I don't think it'll be touring in 2000. Uh, if it's touring in 2013, it'll be after our summer production in New York. Uh, so I'm anticipating that the earliest it'll be available will be uh, October, November 2013, but more likely January, February 2014. Okay. Well, 
Max, thank you so much. Uh, I'm sorry I won't get to see you this time that you're here in Southern California, but it was such a delight to get to see the performance last summer. And for anyone who's listening, it is well worth the drive. It's not that far to Glendale. It is well worth the drive to take in this amazing... Um, just a, it's just a gift. It's just a wonderful evening. And uh, is it? Uh, do you think it's appropriate for all age ranges? Because I think, I think, I think there, were... uh, uh, there have been very young children ago, but mm-hmm. I, I think probably junior high and above. Yeah, and there are. Um, we can't mention prices, but there are group. Uh, you can get group discounts and group tickets. It's a great thing in case you're looking for something. You know, especially to take yeah. your youth group to, or you know, just a, a girls' night out it could be fun. You know. So thank you again, uh, Max, for taking oh, out, out of your pleasure. busy day. Oh, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Oh, and, you're welcome. Uh, look forward to the next time we're in Irvine. Absolutely. Thanks again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. And that was Max McLean. I'm going to play this little clip for you uh, before, well, we only have a few minutes left anyway, but uh, just so you can get hear what some other people have to say about Max McLean's The Screw Tape Letters. QCI in Irvine. I totally loved it. Really powerful. Amazing. I just couldn't believe how good it was. I was completely blown away. It's exhilarating. It was provocative. Exciting from the beginning to the end. I felt like it was only 20 minutes. I was amazed how much energy two cast members could put into it. The feelings inside that main character seem to be coming out all on the stage. An ever-increasing craving for an ever-diminishing pleasure is the formula. It's more certain, it's better style to get the man's soul and give him nothing in return. So, Mr. McLean, he was wonderful. Oh, it's one of the most well-done Broadway plays I've seen. It was very cool. Time was spent. He doesn't even like theater, and he went. Yes, they do regard death as the prime evil and survival as the greatest good because we have taught them to do so. Do not be infected by our own propaganda. Everyone should see and everyone should laugh and feel something from it and at the same time talk about it later. All the buzz about screw tape letters is true. And yes, she says all the buzz about the screw tape letters is true. And I would concur with that. This is Tawny Genuviel and this is what would Arwen do on every Tuesday from 4 to 5 p.m. And... This is where we celebrate all things Middle-earth, J.R.R. Tolkien, his friends, his co-conspirators in the world of fantasy and philosophy and things of that nature, deep thinking about the great issues of life. And we have just a few minutes left. I think that it is time. I was going to play a, a little clip from the professor for you, but I think I'll play a little more music. And coming up at five o'clock, we will have the Blue and Gold Report is back. We are into a brand new quarter of programming here at KUCI. So it's been about a week now, but just to remind you in case you used to have or had a favorite show here on KUCI and you haven't found it, you might just check and see if it got moved to another time slot because 
uh, when the quarter starts, um, things get moved around every once in a while. Some shows maybe take a, a quarter off. Some shows come back. And some shows get moved around as uh, show hosts and DJs, um, who, especially those who are students, their schedules change, and they need to move into a different time slot to accommodate their uh, school schedules. So please check out our website at KUCI.org for the latest updated schedule and also things that are going on here <coughs> Excuse me, uh, at the station. I don't know that you are aware, but we do give away tickets quite often. And let's see. Oh, yes. Our DJ training starts tomorrow, Wednesday, April 10th. So it's not too late to get involved with KUCI as a DJ. If you are a UCI student, staff, or faculty, you are eligible to take our training. We will train you and you'll get to learn all about the equipment and get some hands-on training and make a, a, a little tape to show what kind of show you'd like to have, whether it's music or, or a talk show. And who knows, they might be crazy enough to give you a show just like they gave me one. So it will change your life being involved with KUCI. We are all volunteers, I promise. It will change your life, I believe, for the better. It's definitely been a great blessing for me. So I am Tani Tenuvio. I will say na Maria. Until next week.